This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Well, welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Now, last month, the USHBC hosted a Blueberry Research Roundtable in Washington, D.C., where we discussed topics related to our five primary health research pillars, which are brain health, cardiovascular health, gut health, diabetes, and prediabetes, and healthy living. We really had an impressive lineup of experts in their respective fields who attended the roundtable. It might have been the smartest room I've ever been in in meetings. So today on the podcast, I wanted to share with you all a few of the highlights and takeaways from this event. Uh, I just couldn't leave it there in Washington. There was just so much good things discussed and, and really an important conversation that we wanted to kind of bring a snapshot view of what that conversation was like to you all today on the podcast. Uh, health research remains a vital part of our industry success in the future. It's a large part of what blueberries are known for. And today you're going to learn a lot more about our efforts going forward. So joining me today is our Senior Director of Health and Research and Nutrition, Dr. Leslie Wada, as well as Dr. Adeen Cassidy, the Chair of the Nutrition and Preventative Medicine and the Director of Interdisciplinary Research Institute for Global Food Security. Adeen was one of our presenters at the roundtable. She serves on our Scientific Advisory Board. She's fantastic. That's why she's with us today. Uh, Leslie, Adeen, thank you for joining me on the Business of Blueberries. Thanks, Casey. Thanks, Casey. So, Leslie, I'm going to start off with you. You know, you and I worked on this project. Uh, you worked mostly on the project of, of putting this research roundtable together. It was, you know, the genesis of this came from a number of different directions, but it just, just felt like the time was right to put this roundtable together, talk about research, and bring, you know, this tremendous group of people together in one place at one time. So, what was the thought process behind this from your perspective, and why was this event important right now? Thanks, Casey. Yeah, you know, over the years, the council has been fortunate to work with some of the, the leading researchers in their perspective fields. And the thought was if we could bring some of them together in one room and discuss the science of nutrition and the status of blueberry nutrition, you know, nutrition continually evolves. And, you know, we started this council over 20 years ago, and we were just talking about antioxidant properties of blueberries. And since then, you know, we've grown into these five different health pillars with evidence in each one of them. And so the idea was, that could we bring some of these experts together in one room, talk about what do we know about blueberries and health? And what do we need to know? You know, where are we going to go in our pipeline of research that we'll be continually funding in the next five years or more? And, you know, who better to discuss this than people who have been doing research in blueberries or are excited about starting some research in blueberries. So that was the idea, sort of bring all these minds together, discuss where we are, where we need to go. And I think we did a pretty good job of that. Oh, it was fantastic. It was, you know, it's like, I don't want to say it was better than I expected, but 
it was better than I expected. I don't know what I expected, really. I think this was a first for me for many reasons, but just getting caught up, listening to the dialogue, you know, just appreciating a lot of the passion that was in the room for not just the work of research, but just, you know, where blueberries have been in that space. And so really a great roundtable discussion. We'll kind of dig in here. But Adine, before we dive into your perspective on the event, I, I wanted to give you a chance to introduce yourself to our listeners, our podcast audience. Could you share just a little bit about your background and what led you to be involved with Blueberries? Sure. So I'm Adine Cassidy. I'm based at Queen's University Belfast, where I'm a professor of nutrition. And I've been working on flavonoids and blueberries and plant-based diets most of my career. Um, I started off looking at soy isoflavins uh, way back in the late 1980s. And then as time moved on, got much more interested in mainly in fruit and health, which of course led me to blueberries and the constituents they contain that are called flavonoids or anthocyanins. Well, and in that space, you got to meet us and, and you're a member of our scientific advisory board. So talk a little bit about your, your experience getting on board with that. And how did you get to be on the scientific advisory board? So um, a lot of what I have been doing most of my career has been clinical trials, looking at you know how, how specific either foods or any constituents of foods can be beneficial, particularly for heart health. And early in, well, probably 15, 20 years ago, I started collaborations with the Harvard School of Public Health with Eric Rim. We started to look at different flavonoids in the diet and how they may impact on a whole range of health endpoints. And the blueberry anthocyanins are one of those anthocyanins, but the signal we were getting for the blueberry anthocyanins was much greater for any of the other flavonoids. We were seeing benefits for heart health, for type 2 diabetes, for reducing risk of neurological conditions like Parkinson's. So we thought, gosh, wouldn't it be great to do a trial on blueberries? And before we knew it, we started to get to know Leslie. And uh, she said, listen, we, you know, we work on, on the USHBC on blueberries and research. Let's talk. So firstly, we became advisors and that led us also to get funding from USHBC to do what is the largest trial to date on blueberries and health. So we're finding in population-based studies that you can have significant reductions in, in having a heart attack, having a stroke if you eat more blueberries. And it's just three portions a week. You know, it's not even eating it every day, you know, but one portion, which is, you know, a handful or a, a cup a day. But it's important to eat it every day. Uh, important to eat it every day, absolutely. <laughs> you might get better benefits. So what we then did is we, we, we conducted a trial funded by the UK government, but mainly by USHBC, where we, we took a large group of volunteers who were overweight and had a high risk of, of developing type 2 diabetes, but on the pathway because you always think of nutrition and kind of the prevention rather than the secondary prevention end. Uh, we fed them blueberries every day, a cup a day for six months, and we saw clinically relevant improvements in heart health. Improvements in their uh, lipid levels, like their cholesterol levels were lower. The good cholesterol, HDL cholesterol went up, and we saw changes in the flexibility of their arteries. All evidence that you know, there were clinically relevant improvements over that reasonably short period of time. Yeah. Amazing, actually. And something that I think, you know, as we looked at the development of this idea of putting the round table together, it just felt timely. You know, there has been some great work and a lot of history in building this pipeline, but uh, the round table gave us an opportunity to look forward. So I just love, Adina, to just get your impressions of of what that round table was like, you know, the experience you had participating in the round table and certainly 
what we think we accomplished by those discussions. I, mean, I think what was great about the discussions is how rapidly things have moved on and how you know the quality of data that we have now is so much better than we had even five years ago, particularly in relation to blueberries. And that's really thanks to the USHBC committee because they spent a lot of time thinking about what to fund and focusing on a few key areas. So that investment is really starting to pay off. I think what was also really great about the meeting was that it wasn't just blueberry experts there, but we had experts mainly from around the US who are experts in other disciplines, but came there interested to find out what do we know about blueberries and left quite enthusiastic that, gosh, there really is something there. You know, this, this is important. So that to me was important. Right. I think one of my takeaways was how collaborative this group was. You know, it didn't feel, at least as far as I could tell, trying to play catch up with all the new things I was learning, that there just wasn't a lot of held back. I mean, if somebody thought something, felt something, you know, experienced something, had a challenge, it all came forward. And for the good of the order, I think, in terms of of just understanding what needs to happen next and for research to be successful. And so, you know, I'll start with the Dean of takeaways that you'd want the industry to know about from your perspective. Well, at the round table, what did, what stood out to you? What was any ahas that you might've had? I think the big halo effect of blueberries is around the heart health. And I think that's something that we just need to keep building up on. You know, the evidence is strong in nutrition. You want evidence from a range of sources. It's not like doing a drug trial. You want to know that in population studies, you're getting a readout for benefits for heart health. You want then trials to kind of consolidate that message. And then you want your studies in the lab to say, how does it work? You know, what are the mechanisms that underpin this? And we're really seeing that for heart health now. You're seeing those effects on flexibility of arteries, effects on cholesterol levels, and they're pretty consistent and with very achievable levels of blueberries. And then I think, so the next steps are, you know, what about gut health? I mean, that's a real driver to try and understand why is there person-to-person variability in terms of when you eat blueberries and could it be down to your gut microbes? Could that explain it? Could that, a lot of evidence was presented on that, which is very much, you know, cutting edge technology as well as, um, as an area of research. And for the blueberries, because the, the compounds like the anthocyanins, they contain reach the gut before they're metabolized. It's probably the gut microbiome is probably more important for them than it is for, you know, other things that we eat in the diet. You know, we, we've talked as even part of our promotional power periods, kind of like how this relates to promotion. I, you know, I think one of my takeaways and maybe an aha, not to put words in the mouth of our, our participants, but it was a really good connection. I think Kurt got up and gave a presentation about how we take this research and move it to market. That was a really uh, great part of that presentation of not just, you know, who is USHBC and to your point, Leslie, like there are some guidelines and rules and things that we have to follow as an organization. But almost more importantly, we know how to put kind of gasoline on the fire of research. You know, we have resources that then can go and put power periods in place. And we're partnering on Brain Health Month and uh, Heart Health Month. And we're trying to figure out ways in which to you know really capitalize on the connection and the intersection of uh, where consumers are with these areas, gut health being one of them. So that, that was a fascinating conversation. And, and I think, you know, for the researchers to hear how a commodity board then translates this for consumer consumption, that seemed to be a really great highlight of the, of the meeting as well. Along those lines, Casey, you know, we had, you know, one and a half days, which we'd had five days to tell you the truth. I think we ran out of time. But, you know, on our second day, we were able to go from transfer from the hardcore science of the first full day to then 
spent a half day talking about the future, but also we got into a little bit of discussion about dietary recommendations. And because as you were saying, you know, it, it isn't just the science, the science is the foundation, but we were able to start a conversation about how do we make sure we have solid recommendation and are able to talk about the importance of including blueberries in your diet and all the things that it provides. And that's part of the future as well. How do we translate this for the U.S. consumer? And again, I think that, you know, that's where the evidence has really kind of improved in the last few years. Ten years ago, it was just about eating more fruit, but consumers didn't really understand what that meant. And actually worldwide, you know, in the U.K., it's five a day. In the U.S., it's nine a day. So, you know, the policies are are confused and unclear. But what we've seen now, mainly through a lot of the Harvard studies, is that, you know, the associations with with health endpoints like diabetes and heart disease are very different when you look at total fruit and you look at individual fruits. And when you look at all the fruits lined up, you know, the blueberries are always at the end where you seem to have the greatest benefit. So, you know, there's something specific there about, you know, fruits like blueberries and what they contain that is responsible for that. We don't know. It may be anthocyanins. It may be something else. But, you know, we need those much more specific guidance for individuals to have on, you know, what fruit should I eat for a heart health benefit, for brain health benefit? Yeah, we're, we're digging in. Well, I think there's a lot more to share here and a couple of things I want to get to. But before we do, it's time for our crop report. Mexico, Chile and Peru are shipping fruit right now. So here once again is your blueberry crop report. It's time for your blueberry crop report. An update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today you'll hear from Luis Vegas in Peru and Mario Ramirez in Mexico. This was recorded on February 8th, 2023. Hello, this is Luis with a crop report from Peru until the end of week five, which is the week ending on February 5th. So until the end of week five of the season, Peru has shipped a total of 603 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide. From this overall volume, 53% has been shipped to the US, 31% to Europe, 13% to China, and 2% to other destinations. Also, from the total volume shipped, 12% have been organics. What happened during week five? Well, I, Peru shipped a total of 5.6 million pounds. 59% of this volume has been shipped to the US with approximately 3.3 million pounds of fresh blueberries, which are expected to arrive at the US market during the third and fourth week of February. 31% of the volume shipped during week five has been sent to Europe, 8% to China, and 2% to other destinations, including Brazil, Canada, Costa Rica, Dubai, El Salvador, Panama, Singapore, Thailand, Uruguay, and the Maldives Islands. Hi everyone, here Mario with the Mexican Blueberries Report for week number five. During week number five, the volume grows 27% respecting week four, with a total exported volume of 4,344,000 pounds of fresh blueberries. And from this volume, 4,192,000 pounds was exported to the United States and the resting 152 pounds were to other destinations like Europe and Asia. 21% of this volume was organic blueberries, that means around 880,000 pounds. 
and the frozen volume grows to 27% with 55,000 pounds and it represents only 1% of the total US importations for frozen blueberries during week number 5. There are no affectations reported in weather or diseases and that's all in my report. See you next week. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers and colleagues who take time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our data and insight center to see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry, including USDA shipping price and movement, retail category performance, Nielsen monthly retail sales reports, and much, much more. So make sure you go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. I guess we should probably start a, a segment where we say to go check out our health research. But let's go back to today, our episode today with Dr. Leslie Wada and Dr. Adeen Cassidy. Adeen, maybe you could share with the audience just a brief synopsis of what you shared at the roundtable. So a lot of the focus of my conversation was actually on these constituents and blueberries called anthocyanins. And what do we know about them? What's really important, I think, for blueberries is that they punch well above their weight in terms of anthocyanin content. They contain much more than all other fruits. So anthocyanins are responsible for that lovely red, blue color that you get in fruits and vegetables. But the levels of anthocyanins in blueberries are much higher than they are in other fruits. And then it was really looking both at the population-based studies, so mainly with Harvard, but also with other cohorts around the world, looking at what are the associations between eating anthocyanins from blueberries more regularly and a whole range of health endpoints. So I talked about the heart health benefits the benefits for reducing your risk of developing type 2 diabetes. And then what I had very recent data on was Parkinson's disease. So there's a lot of interest again in brain health and um, neurological type conditions. And 10 years ago with Harvard, I had done some work where we'd looked at the associations between anthocyanins and blueberries and reducing your risk of developing Parkinson's. So that's healthy people who then develop Parkinson's disease. Did it matter if you ate more or less? blueberry anthocyanins and we showed a significant reduction in risk if you had more more blueberry anthocyanins but then as 10 years went past we had enough people who had Parkinson's disease to say well does it improve life expectancy if you eat more blueberries and you have Parkinson's so here we showed again significant improvements in life expectancy if you had Parkinson's disease and you ate more blueberries so again showing that diet has a benefit beyond just prevention of disease particularly neurological other things that we've done, so Eric Rim and I had a fun project where, you know, if these compounds are important for blood flow, and that's what uh, flow mediated dilatation, a measure of vascular function, is one of the most important things that we showed. You know, the arteries are more flexible and blood flow is improved with blueberries. We thought, well, that might be interesting for male health. So let's have a fun project and look at erectile dysfunction in the health professional study in, in Harvard. And lo and behold, you know, we get this wonderful paper which showed significant improvements in erectile dysfunction with blueberry anthocyanins. And I had a fun time there where I went to the supermarket the day the paper came out and the blueberry shelf was empty. And I said to the lady behind me, <laughs> what's happening? Why are there no blueberries? She said, I don't know. It's Friday evening, but there's been a bit of a rush in them today. Uh, <laughs> so I think that there was a, a lot of PR around that paper. And we've never really followed up on that, but it's quite an important one because, you know, erectile dysfunction is an early, early measure of cardiovascular risk. So actually, you know, you could think about, you know, interventions that have consequences for heart health as well. You're suggesting there's a different blue pill. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a blueberry. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, and, and I think that is what is fascinating about all the different directions that are yet to come for research. You know, and in your case, even research that has been done, but not fully evolved, or maybe it wasn't the time for it. And yet, I think that's what's been so fascinating for me in my tenure at the council is just looking at what has been accomplished in health research that has built this amazing foundation on which, you know, either more research can be built on or we're able to then go and be a part of, you know, even national conversations like they're having now in healthcare, talking about how to reduce healthcare costs in particular. And of course, you know, we've got a whole program and probably do a whole episode on nutrition affairs as it relates to, you know, how. Uh, we're in a great position in blueberries to talk about the dietary guidelines. We're in a good position to give the government information on answering the questions they have about food as medicine. Uh, we're really in a good spot. And so I, I don't know if, Adine, you have some perspective on that globally, but I know USHBC has certainly been leading that in its relationship to blueberries. Uh, but this is a global conversation as well. And it would be great to hear just your thoughts on where we go from here. Yeah, I mean, I think there are you know, a number of things. I mean, one of the projects that we're currently looking at is, you know, if you change your diet in middle life, does that matter? Because most people think, well, you know, it's a bit late now. Here I am in my, my 50s. But we've got really nice data, again, funded by USHBC, where we're showing that, you know, your eating behaviors change over time. And if you change from being a, a low blueberry consumer to a high consumer, even in midlife, you can have a major impact on your risk of, you know, of dying, of mortality. So it's never too late to change, I think, is, is what we're saying there. And then I think the big area of interest, particularly if you think of the blueberry and the cyanins, is we know that when people eat them, they handle them very differently. And that's probably mainly down to the gut microbiome. But then there are, how do you get people who don't get as good a benefit as others? How do you get them to get that benefit? And could it be that some people need three portions of blueberries to have the same benefit on blood pressure as others? So it's that whole person-person variation. And, you know, what do some groups of the population need may, may be different to others. And it's trying to really work that out. And I don't think it's personalized nutrition because that's too complicated, but it's probably stratified nutrition. So, you know, the frail elderly may need more than the, the worried well, you know, healthy ager. Those are some of the big things, but you know, there's lots of lots of areas that still need to be captured. You know, what about sleep? What about frailty? I know there's some funding looking at longevity and, and aging, uh, which is a really exciting area. But then, what about kids' health as well? How do we get blueberries into into school programs? And you know, blueberries are now very prevalent over here. They used to be a you know a US based fruit, but you know we all eat blueberries every day here now. They are the kind of the, the purple fruit of choice, I'm sure, certainly in my house. I think where you mentioned before, Dean, and, and Leslie, you can speak to this in terms of the results of this event, but you know, there was an effort to try to determine focus and consensus in, as part of the exercise here is that there, there are all these areas that we have yet to go into, but time, money, resources, you know, have their limits. And part of that discussion was about what do we need to focus on most? Where are our gaps? So maybe, Leslie, you can talk about, you know, the results of where we landed. And, and Adine, you could speak a little bit to the consensus you sensed there was. Yes. And, and one thing we should mention is that one of the objectives of this meeting was to build a consensus among those who were there and then to publish that. So, you know, we are looking forward to having a publication in, in this year to basically talk about what did we find at this roundtable and what do we all feel 
is the status of the science of blueberries in, in these different areas. And I think one of the take-homes that we all agreed on was, as Aideen mentioned, you know, the area of blueberries in cardiovascular health is probably our strongest. Even though we've got exciting data from blueberries and diabetes, we certainly need to do a lot more work in that. Um, we have a number of studies ongoing in gut health, but certainly we're looking forward to getting more data on there. And that's sort of the other thing, too, is that everybody who's familiar with our group knows that it takes many years to fund, conduct, and then publish your studies. So it isn't a quick and easy thing, but, you know, we've got to get started and we've got to keep funding and getting these things going. We had a couple talks about blueberries and exercise. That kind of fits into our healthy living. But there's other aspects of healthy living that we want to look at um, that we didn't talk about because they're not there yet. For instance, we have an infant study going on now. And, you know, maybe at our next meeting, that will be an area we can talk about. Um, and, you know, the other thing is, too, we didn't get to invite nearly as many of the researchers as we would have liked to. So, you know, that makes me think about trying to do this again and with a different group and maybe some different topics. And then, you know, certainly we've done a lot of work with cognitive health and brain function. Um, but more of that needs to be done. And that's a really wide area as well. So uh, of the five areas that we looked at, I think we felt very strongly about our work in cardiovascular health. Um, but certainly more work needs to be done in that area as well. Would you agree, Dean? Yeah, I mean, I think the workshop was great. You know, we had a one and a half days. And in that time, we kind of went from, you know, what, what do we know about blueberries and health to where are the research gaps and where do we need to go next? I think nutrition is complicated and there aren't infinite resources. So it is really important, I think, to have some focus. But, you know, I think the, the brain health area is the other area that's really kind of coming up, be it from cognitive function, just in dementia, certainly there are population studies showing benefits for Alzheimer's and dementia, right through to other neurological conditions like Parkinson's, where there is some evidence, but yet no trials showing benefits, both primary and, and secondary prevention. But there aren't infinite resources, so it is important that USHBC do keep that focus. Well, and it feels like focus and consensus. I, I, you know, I think there was an appreciation of kind of where we started with everything and then kind of the narrowing process that it seemed to get to in that second day. But just the idea that, you know, this was a unique opportunity to get people together uh, in a way to talk about this. And, and it sounds like, you know, sounds like you're both saying we should do this again. Absolutely. I think, you know, it, it was the, the people who weren't just blueberry people, you know, because when you work in an area, you can be very narrow. But it was drawing in those experts from other endpoints or that had interest in completely different areas of nutrition. And as, you know, Leslie says, it's, you know, it's people from the USDA. It's the policy people. You know, what does this mean? What do we need next? And actually some medics in the room, too, who questioned, you know, what does this mean? What's the clinical relevance of this? And that really puts everything in perspective as to you know, where do we need to go next? I was just going to say, and along with that, we had people who are working more with the overall diet. And that's something we always say, you know, blueberries are an important part of a healthy diet. You can't live on blueberries alone. We know that. And so there were some researchers like Dr. Christy Tagney, who works with the mind diet and blueberries are a portion of the mind diet. So, you know, I know we're all interested in dietary patterns and what's a healthy dietary pattern. But our studies are looking at well, why blueberries should be part of that healthy dietary pattern. So I think that's important to show as well. 
Well, this has been, hopefully for those listening, uh, you know, a fascinating conversation on kind of the behind the scenes of the USHBC health research work. Obviously, you're, you're hearing directly from Dr. Wada and Dr. Cassidy on their experience at the roundtable. But I think there's an understanding uh, from our growers and our marketers and our handlers that you know, this is a, a cornerstone of Blueberry success, the work that's been done in health research and Dave Brazelton's committee, you know, obviously the years you've been spending, Leslie, and helping, you know, cultivate and curate the relationships, uh, the research strategy, and to just to be in this spot where we've got a tremendous pipeline that has been built for going forward from here and the future that we see in Blueberry Health Research. So I appreciate you guys both kind of giving our audience that glimpse inside. I know the growers feel this is a major worthwhile investment in what dollars that they're contributing. And then, of course, how we go and to market and promote these benefits. And uh, yeah, we're going to have to bring some of those other research projects back, Adine. That, that's a great suggestion. We might need to, you know, figure out the time and place to talk about erectile dysfunction and, and the way in which uh, blueberries can help with that as well. So fascinating conversation. Is there anything else that uh, we should be sure to mention before we close? No, I think uh, this was a really good discussion. I think we hit on all the topics. Again, you know, I would say there are a lot of other researchers that we've worked with. And the reason for wanting to do this again is to be able to invite some of the other ones as well. And as we continue to fund, we'll be starting to work with newer uh, researchers. So it just continues to evolve, but we certainly appreciate all the relationships that we have. Absolutely. All right. Well, again, thank you both for joining me. We'll have to come back and we'll talk about, you know, more health research, certainly nutrition. I think we could do a whole, like you said, a whole other podcast just on nutrition affairs and the work that we're doing there and how this all connects a dot for policymakers and regulatory folks who are, who are looking at all this information right now in a meaningful way that I think uh, will shape our business, certainly the business of blueberries, but all the produce. Uh, everybody's looking at, you know, what's taking place uh, at the policy level right now. So I appreciate your time. Thank you for joining me on the show. You're welcome. Thanks, Case. Well, that's it. For episode 128, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries. Mm-hmm.